friends, how's it going? It's Tiffany Pratt. This is my love jam. I know it's wild to think that I have a podcast all about love, but let me tell you, even though I'm a designer, creative director, creative person, artist, author, TV, whatever, there's absolutely nothing that I've ever done in my life that has been more important than bringing love into everything that I've ever done. And this is a podcast all about that. I have met miraculous, cool, incredible people along the way, and I want to introduce you to some of them. I want to talk to you about my journey. I want to share some of the things that I've learned. And more than anything in the whole world, I don't want you to feel alone. As a creative person, I want us to feel like a powerful community of supportive friends that can turn to each other and know that no matter what, we've got each other's back. So that's what the Love Jam's all about. Let's talk about it. Let's get down in the middle of it. Let's uncover it. Let's see all of its colors. And let's jam. Let's jam about love. That's the love jam. Guess what, dudes? I've got a sponsor. And welcome aboard Delta, folks. We're about to take off. Coco, this is Delta Faucets. Read from the script. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, was... I gave you a script. They make faucets now? They've always made faucets. Oh, okay. Well, this episode of Love Jam has been in part made possible by my friends at Delta Faucet Canada. They're actually my friends, not yours, but keep going. Oh, if you want to be that way. Uh, innovation and design have been at the heart of the Delta brand for over 50 years. They have poured that into every product they make. Poured. Because <laughs> it's faucets, right? They've poured. So funny. Keep going. Keep going. That's good. That's good. Well, they've poured that into every product they make, creating savvy, sturdy faucets and accessories with smart design on the inside and out. You know, I actually know that because I have all Delta products at the Glitter Suite and I love the Delta's peoples. So I'm shouting out to my friends at Delta. Thanks for making the Love Jam possible. Love you guys. Am I done here? You're done. Thanks. I can't believe I can say I have a guest. <laughs> I have a guest. I'm not alone. <laughs> I have a friend. Guess who's here? Sarah Keenly side. <laughs> Hi, Tiffany. And Poppy. Poppy's here. Poppy's here. I'm here. Sarah, first of all, this is not your traditional podcast, right? No. This no. is just for those of us listening to this. I am sitting on the floor in beautiful Tiffany Pratt style. With a Moroccan shag rug, or like rag rug, rag, rag rug, rag rug. Yeah. Um, I painted these pillows. Uh, you, you really? Mm-hmm. This is Tiffany Pratt, one hundred percent. Of course, you painted those pillows. <laughs> but like, I feel like I'm in your harem right now. Oh. We've got these beautiful sheets around us. It's like a, a beautiful Moroccan tent in the middle of the beach in the East End. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I want it to feel like an experience versus like sitting in a dark studio because I want people to leave listening to this feeling better, you know? I love that because as your friend, I get to have that experience one-on-one. And every time I leave a hangout with you, I go home and I feel so much more full. I was, I was saying this to my husband today because he knew I was coming to see you. And it's just like, Every time I spend time with Tiffany, you leave richer. You leave emotionally richer. Your heart is fuller. And I just, 
I've said this to you before. I don't know how you give so much out because I just, I feel like it's some oh. kind of an, a boundless amount of love that you're able to project into the world. And I love you for that. Well, I, I feel like what you feel in me and what you're just saying is everything you are. And we're just, it's a cycle, and that's why I love you so much. I, I, I want to warn people, we get into a bit of, like, a love fest for each other. So if this is already turning you off, you should probably change the channel. I wanted us to share, in five minutes or less, our love story before we could share our love jam. Okay, I like that. So what's our love story? How does it start? How does it start for me and how does it start for you? So I would say for me, I fell in love with you that first day on Home to Win, was it season two? Yes, season two. First day of season two, mm -hmm. and we were on set all together, and we were all meeting each other, and that was your first Home to Win. Exactly. So season two was my first time meeting the whole kind of HGTV juggernaut of yeah. people. And for those of you that are not in Canada, that don't watch HGTV, that are listening to this, um, HGTV, Home and Garden Television Canada, has a show where every host on the network pools their skills and builds a home to give away to a lucky family in Canada. So on the first day of this show, all of the hosts are together, and uh, Sarah is on a brand new show called Backyard Builds, and so her and her co-hosts were joining us on that second season. Yes, so. and I got positioned directly beside you in our big walk up. It's like yes. the epic Reservoir Dogs moment of designers and builders walking towards the house and they played in slow motion. It's so dramatic. And um, I got positioned beside you and I think I grabbed your hand at one point and said, I am so happy that I finally get a chance to meet you. I have been a fan of yours for a long time and I feel like you're a human unicorn. And you just melted and you were the most generous soul because mm. you just turned right back and you were just like, I, I think I was the most impressed with how present you are. You're someone who is extremely real, mm. even though I know that you won't say this about yourself, but even with all of your success and, um, and just everything, like all your talent is just so boundless. And then you are still a cool girlfriend that I would meet in grade seven. Okay, but this is why we're here. Yes. Because <laughs> I remember hearing Gaga's and Florence Welsh's song. What's it called? Hey Girl? Hey Girl, yeah. Hey Girl. That's As soon as I heard that song, I thought, this is my song for my friend Sarah Keenly side. Because it's not so... So we're both 38 now. Mm -hmm. And later in life, and I wouldn't say there were old people by any stretch, but I think at this stage, it's really rare. Yes. To meet a person that you can meet and instantly feel like this is supposed to be my friend. Oh, we decided early on we're golden girl leagues. A hundred percent. Like, if we're not sitting on rattan furniture in 30 years, I will be pissed. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I, I think that, that that's the same love story for me. As soon as you, you know, you just introduced yourself, we had our little moment, I think I, like, wrapped you up in my arms. Yeah. And for the rest of the day, we were, I would say, you know, it's hard to be inseparable because we get pulled in a thousand directions. But I remember that day we left and it was sort of like, let this not be the, the last of our connection. And then we got an episode together. Yes, yes, and that we was, did. To me, that was like the, the deal of seals. It's like, true. We were like, <laughs> we were together constantly. We were able to. And I, I think that's the one thing that I love about us, I love about you, is that um, this world that we live in in the entertainment industry and mm -hmm. in the design industry has classically been such a catty industry. 
That's true. And, yeah. and it's sometimes hard to know who your true friends are. Yes. And who's got your back. Yeah. And I think instantly I was like, this is a girl that lives a parallel life. And you can't say that about a lot of people. Well, and that's something that, yeah, early on we really identified that in each other, that this is you're a designer, you're in this weird mix of a TV world yes. that we all kind of, the two of us sort of um, agreed that we just sort of fell backwards into this as yeah. opposed to seeking it out. Yeah. And so when something, when you enter into a weird industry like that without sort of spending your life trying to get into it, it takes a little while to make sense of it for yeah. yourself. Like how do, how do I stay true to myself in an industry that has been quite supportive, but naturally tries to form you into a mold that you resist, especially when you're a woman in your mid to late thirties. Like, you know who the hell you are. Right. This is not your first rodeo. And you're, you're, you have your brand intact. You know what your style is. Mm -hmm. You know who you are. So you don't want to, I don't ever want to compromise that about myself. So that's always running tandem to how I am on television, Mm -hmm. how I am with you, how I'm with everyone. Cause I'm like, people need to know that this is who I really am. Yeah. And that's what I've, I love about you. She's that magical people. No, it is no, but it's true. It's true. Stop. Because honestly, like as someone who knew of you before I met you, followed you on Instagram and was just like always amazed by just your the color of you. And then I met you in person and you you beyond you exceeded my expectations. Oh my god, Sarah. I, this is this is but like th- but that's the beautiful thing is that would would think like oh there's no way that someone's like that nice or that colorful or that joyful, you know? But that's just that's your resting state. People have resting bitch face. <laughs> you have like resting <laughs> love rainbows. <laughs> okay, I think we just uh, titled this podcast. <laughs> no resting bitch face here, just resting rainbow love. <laughs> resting rainbow love with Sarah Keenly side. That's it. First of all, I am so, like, I just sit here sometimes and I'm in awe and I'm I'm humbled because, you know, you only can ever be in this life as you are. And I think I just constantly try to be as I am and to have someone that I admire and love so much, like yourself, say all those kind things. It just feels like you just, I feel like erupting into tears <laughs> because I want, you know, this is, I think this is very symbiotic that you're here. You're the first guest. You're the first person to walk into my little love nest here. It's amazing. And also I would say you're my first real, like, love affair in a very long time. <laughs> I, I had like a friendship love affair with you instantly and I'm so grateful for you. I feel like you, you've you brought my heart on fire and with everything that you are, all that you have shared with me in your personal life, in your professional life, I am sitting in front of the real deal. And I just think that how you've fallen into, all the things you've fallen into is, is certainly not by mistake. It's because you are exactly just that. You are the real deal. You're stunning inside and out. Your eye, your style, who you are, how you present, your heart, just the cool girl that you know and wish that everyone could be is Sarah Keenly Oh, please. No, it is. It is. I feel like okay. I'm friends with the coolest chick. So now so, I'm just embarrassed because that's too much nice things to say about anyone. Well, because you said some real crap, right? <laughs> huh? 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 So this is where you turn off the podcast. Yes, this is it. not going to stop. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's just never going to stop. It's never going to stop. So you can I've tune into Golden Girls 2.0, which will be us, but that's going to take a couple of years. You have an old soul. I definitely feel like beneath this layer 
of chocolate and Indian food and colored hair and moo-moos is a woman that really identifies with like a 70 plus year old person that's like seen a lot of life yeah and is really unfazed and sort of just feels like fuck it because i've seen it all so i can do whatever the hell i want we even can say though fuck it on your podcast yeah yay i know <laughs> that's actually the whole reason why i wanted to do it it's <laughs> true it's true because when we're one-on-one it's a little bit of like sailor talk sometimes and oh, it's every time it's more just for impact really i think that we like swearing as a way of identifying how we're passionate about things i think because we're also both people that get naturally excited about stuff yes so when you're genuinely excited but then you have to ex put like an exclamation point at the end of the excitement it involves good, swearing like, fucking is yeah. will help yeah or this fucking douchebag or exactly. you know but that's not necessarily a bad thing you know you have to say this fucking douchebag went and showed me this beautiful fabric and let me tell you so i spent the extra money blah 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 <laughs> you know and then it's yeah, so true you know you, so you're true. you're you're so angry that you're happy or you're so happy that you're angry that's yeah. better i think you're so happy that you're angry yeah slash I think it's lovely when people don't look like the type of person that are going to be I sailors. I don't think either of us look like the type of I girl agree. that's going to slip into like awful, dirty, <laughs> like swear talk. It's and true. we probably slip into it the easiest of any two women I've ever met. I, I will agree with you on that. <laughs> You're so fucking right. <laughs> My headphones are coming up because I keep like throwing my head back. Okay. Which your headphones are perfectly matched to your hair too. Did you do this on purpose? No, but I think this is all Coco. Oh this my is God. this is Coco. We've got like bedazzled purpley red uh, headphones for you and your hair just went purple this week. I know. This week it, my hair is purple. Who knows? It's in a couple of washes it'll be pale purple, back to blonde, then to I'm something loving else. It. it looks awesome. I think it's um it's almost like the universe wanted me to have purple hair because this was a pure accident, but mm. I'm I'm growing into liking it. Yes. So maybe this is the new shade. Okay. Okay, so I have a question. All right. Um, why do you love what you do? Ooh. Um, I know. I'm just going in for the heavy I love hitting. it. I love it. Um, but it's easy. Like, it's, it's why does anyone, like, I, I mean, it's, I followed a passion of mine and turned it into a career. And what was the passion? So the passion was fine arts. I have a background in fine arts. I went to one of those like fame high schools, you know, with like kids <laughs> dancing through the halls and like everyone wore capes and stuff like that. And I was in the fine art program. And so I studied all of the sort of elements of fine art throughout high school. So that creative side to me was always there. And um, there was a natural point when it came to figuring out where I wanted to go to university. I was either going to get into biology, because yeah. I love that stuff, or I was going to get into fine art. But the left brain, right brain, if you believe in that, is it's it's a split down the middle. Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't rationally become a painter Got because it. I need to have, I'm, I'm too... Too anal retentive for that. You're like very I need a There's a very strong practical side. Of yes, you yes. said that before. Yes, yeah. I do have a very strong practical side, and that's where I wanted it to be a creative career. And that's when I discovered. Um, actually, it was I was working at a gym uh, after university. I went traveling for a year. I lived in in um, China for a year after university, Switzerland, and then I came back. And I was biding my time before university started. I worked at a a gym selling memberships. And I had a lot of time off during the day. And I would watch these shows, Trading Spaces and Candace Tells All, or no, uh, Divine Design with Candace Olsen. And I was like, wait, this is a job? Like you could actually go in and change people's houses around? Like, I don't know 
I grew up in Ottawa. I don't know if I just didn't, wasn't exposed to interior designers. But I feel like this is the perfect part of the story for you to like pause, press the pause button and tell people sort of how you ended up with the career you have because effectively those days watching Candace Olsen turn into you working with Candace yes. Olsen. So tell the peoples about that. So, okay, so... Um, <laughs> It's yeah. So like I said, it's it's a it's a show that I didn't even understand. It was a career. I was like, this woman seems so cool. She goes in and changes these people's spaces. I love the before and after. She was super creative, and so I looked into it and realized, oh, interior design. It's a whole job out there that I could do, and that's what I came. I moved to Toronto to start doing interior design. And how did you get the gig with Candace? So I got that job. Uh, my best buddy, Andrew, started working for her as one of her design associates. And another job came up on the show. And he said, first of all, I feel like I'm working for you 20 years from now. Like, Candace Olsen is, like, 20 years you. You know? like it's She's just, like, you're... you're, you're my, your your mega me instead of a mini me. Yes, yes, my, <laughs> totally. She was my mega me. At least my best friend yeah, thought so. Yeah. And so um, he's like, she's so cool. She's like, she's super creative. She does all her own work. It's like it, it's a really fun job. And this uh, props coordinator uh-huh. is coming up for availability. Do you want to jump ship? Did you have any props coordination experience before taking this job? No. I'm just going to pause, Sarah, at this moment and just drive home something that I love to tell the peoples, mm-hmm. is that you do not need any schooling or extreme experience to pursue your dreams mm-hmm. and do the things that call out to your heart or your soul to then give it a shot and see how you like it to see how it goes. Exactly. And that's just what you did. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's especially in the creative field, there's no building blocks that get you to where you are going to go. You have to just jump in and trust yeah. that what you have to offer is something that's worth it. And, um, and, and and you felt that way. You felt the inner confidence to just jump in and go, you know what? I've, I know I've got something to give here. Yeah. And I'm just going to give this a shot, right? I was scared shitless on my first day. As you would be. Because, A, I was like, I hope I don't, like, fan out around her because she's <laughs> so cool. And also, like, I don't really know what I'm going to be doing. But I just know that I won't sleep until I get it perfect. Wow. And... So it's just it's having the hustle, right? It's it's trusting that I won't let myself fail. So I might not know what I'm getting into, but I know that I'm I'm not going to make an ass of myself. So I if I have to stay up every single hour of the evening to just figure out how to do this properly and show up the next day knowing what I'm talking about, then I'll do that. Okay, but that is again, like I just I have to just repeat some of these things because I love you so many times. <laughs> I just love you so many times. And honestly, what for me it is, is I'm not going to let myself fail. Yeah. You know, I, and you trusted yourself enough. And you even said, you know, you, you, have a, you have this ability to know what quality is for you. Yeah. And that that quality of what you know you're going to deliver, nothing will compromise that. It's true. It's, it's very true. I don't, uh, th- with you, the one thing I know is you will call who you need to call. You will never, you won't, you won't sleep. Like you just... Well, and that's that's part of the hustle. It's the hustle. It's the hustle. And anyone who's an entrepreneur has that in them. And I truly believe that everyone that is not an entrepreneur also has that in them. It's it's when you don't have a safety net. 
If doing this or hearing this and knowing that this is not you, this is, this is not the life of a person that should be an entrepreneur. But if what we're saying fires you up, as you're listening and you're hearing Sarah, is that you know that you're on a path to discover a dream inside of yourself and do it for yourself and know that no matter what you do, it's going to be a part of a patchwork quilt of something that is so much greater. Yeah. You know, like just that experience you had with Candace, that multiplied. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, and and I learned so much working with her on her show. I worked with her for three seasons. Yeah. Um, and in real life talk, how long is three seasons? So three, well, with her show, it was three years. Right. Um, three seasons, uh, each season was 28 episodes. So it would be an employment for eight months straight. And I don't know if anyone understands what 28 episodes is in Sarah's world to be doing the job she was doing. It's the mothership. That, though. That's, yeah, that, that, that is insane. Yeah. To me, that's insane. Like that amount of hustle and that amount of, that's, it's incredible. So, okay, you've got your baseline. You're three years deep with Candace Olsen. Yes. What happens? So I started getting enough um, side jobs. So my role with Candace's show was to sort of coordinate. Um, uh, she would do the design with two design assistants that would help sort of do the legwork. And then uh, a big part of these television shows is getting Contra. So Contra just means a product that is free because the supplier appreciates the fact that something's going to be shown on Candace Olsen's show. Um, so that's worth it for them to donate it. Right. And, um, and that was my job. So I'd be like the sweet talker on the phone being like, <laughs> Hey, Colin from Candace Olsen's show. And, and then they hear Candace Olsen. They're like, oh, Cling! well, my job, like, you know, I'd like to think I did a great job. It was the easiest job because Candace Olsen at that time, especially in the States on HGTV US was like the Oprah of design. So the minute that you mentioned her voice, uh, the minute that you mentioned her name, everyone would be like, whatever, it doesn't matter, whatever you need, we will send it. Um, and so part of my job was organizing all that stuff. So it got me to be very organized spreadsheet wise and, and project management. Um, but then I would also walk through um, the finished room with the homeowners afterwards and show them everything that we've done and the value of everything and then everything that we were able to acquire for them for free as well, just to really understand the value of yep. what, not only did they get to have a designed room by Candace Olsen and this, this fun TV experience, but also they got a lot of extra stuff beyond their budget. And there are design nuances too. Yes. How things open, it, where things go. Exactly. You know, how things are going to work now versus how they used to work then. It's true. Yeah. And when you're on a show like that, a lot of people that have not experienced that realize it's like this swarm of activity. And then when it's done, the whole crew leaves and then you're like, hello, is anyone there? How do I open my closet door? <laughs> exactly. I don't know how to use this closure. <laughs> exactly. So I showed them how to use their closet doors. Um, and it was funny because they, the, all these clients would then say, okay, well, now we have the most beautiful living room, but the rest of my, the house. Rest of my house now looks like garbage compared yeah. to this beautiful space. So I kept getting a lot of work on the side. Um, and more of my friends that realized I was doing interior design were like, oh, great, I'd love help with my kitchen and stuff like that. So I put off enough work to realize when the last season ended that I was like, I think I should start doing this on my own. It's time for a change. I'd worked with her for three years at that point. And it was, you know, when you're in your late 20s, you're like, okay, now what's next? Now, did you, have you acquired any interior design degrees or? I studied interior design at 
the at OCAD University. Okay. Um, which was a degree in design. Yep. Yeah. But I am not an accredited interior designer. Uh, I haven't not gone through a Rito or anything like that. Um, I just like it. I like people to know that sometimes you don't need to have all the things to do all the yes. things. You know, yeah. in my case, and you know this about me, I have nothing. Yeah. I have no former training like, certificate. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. You I, have the best university of life experience, though. Well, I think as do you. And that's what it comes down to when you're doing something like design in the capacity that we do it in. Is exactly. that you really learn the most doing it. It's, it's true. You, you can't sit in a classroom and learn interior design. Oh, like, honestly, the five years of my education were fantastic. And I loved that school. But... In the first six months of working at the uh, commercial interiors firm that I, that I started right out of university, I learned more in those six months than I did in an entire five years. And again, I wouldn't have got that job right. without it, but still, like, it's, it's the, yeah. But isn't that so fascinating? Yeah. Like, to me, I just look at time as a, such a fluid thing. Yes. You know, you can't mark time and you can't say that five years was wasted by any stretch. But isn't it incredible how you get into the world that's moving at that pace, that velocity where things are happening and design is moving and shifting in a real life place. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh my God, I got to get in line. Yeah. You know, you, you really do. And it's also, it's also a good thing to remember about time. Like if there's, if there's a new direction that you want to take in life, or, you know, if, if you're working a, like a desk job and all of a sudden you realize like me at a much later age, oh, interior design or styling or something like that is a career. And that I'm, I love doing that for myself, my friends. If I could turn that into career, that'd be great. But then, you know, do I have to take any courses? Oh, well, that's going to be two years of courses or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Those two years are going to happen whether you take those courses or not. So 100%. two years from now seems like it's forever. But the next thing you know, you're at two years from now and you either could be through a program that it now has you in a new direction or you're exactly where you were two years from now. It's just, it's it's remembering that it's one step in front of the other if, if you do want to make a bit of a change like that. I also think it's important what you just said, not only in the one step in front of the other, but also design and styling and yeah. how people don't realize that that job is sort of interchangeable. Exactly. And that you read, you know, a title or you'll, you'll see a, a handle on Instagram and someone will title themselves a stylist and often people don't know outside of fashion styling what just a, like a flat out stylist does. Yeah. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, I think you're better to talk about that because I think that we was, should talk about that. Sure, let's do it together. I'm like, <laughs> can I hold your hand while we do it? I'm just joking. <laughs> um, I, I um, titled myself a designer and a stylist because often sometimes you'll go into a scenario that's um, I always call them temporary scenarios, that it's not somebody's full-time house and or somebody's full-time house is pretty much complete or you're going into a set or you're going to a special event or an occasion and someone needs someone to art direct or curate a series of objects to make it look a certain way and style it to be this thing. How am I doing? Is that, what you would do, is that what you would assume it to be? Totally. And so I think that that's the one thing that starts to happen in early days of a design career is you start getting a lot of styling jobs. Yeah. Because those styling jobs start to sort of inform the design. And I, for me, my story is home staging. Yes. You know, I did lots of home staging and that wasn't my choice. I completely fell into it. Um, ironically, through Coco, who's here. Uh, Hi, Coco. Hi, Coco. We love you. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> and he um, lives above... A, I'm sorry, below um, a gentleman who sells big real estate and they had 
no home stager and yeah. she had quit on the spot and they were desperate and he said well you should just call my friend Tiffany she can help you and um Coco this is all you I didn't know yeah Coco has a big handle on a lot of things but he's like just call my friend Tiffany I didn't know what home staging was yeah I didn't know anyways the best the best story is I remember walking and walking to this house and I remember thinking oh my god what am I going to do And the house is a disaster there was two young children it was super small it was packed I made them basically pack up their entire life. I used their existing furniture. I painted everything, railings, staircases, everything. I did minimal changes, but it was usually just using textiles and paint. Yeah. And they got $40,000 over asking for this property, just oh using God. different textiles and paint. So I use this as an example. I think often people don't recognize the importance of good design and good yeah. styling. And, and also, like a side note of that is I find the industry that, that you and I are in can take itself way too seriously. Can we talk about that for a second? Oh my God. I want, <laughs> this is the part that Coco, this is the part that like in post, I really want you to put some sort of like, uh, ha, ha, dream. <laughs> like this is the part where we need some sort of like, bring it sister. Okay. There's a sense of elitism in a certain realm yeah. of interior design. And, that never that never spoke to me because in a, in a world when very real things are happening this is not brain surgery you know no it's not i'm so happy i said that right i always say brain science <laughs> guys this isn't brain science and it's the worst when i actually am being serious about something i'm like guys this is not brain science they're like brain science i'm like oh yeah it's like it's brain surgery and rockets wait what is it what we do is not brain science. No. Is what no, I'm trying to say. <laughs> no. Well, hold on. I want to say this. It's not brain science. It's not saving lives. But in, in a sense, in an emotional sense, um, when you bring joy That's to exactly your it. work and you can do something that is really in keeping and in hearing of a client to create a space that really serves who they are and the way that their life functions, you do perform some kind of an emotional surgery. Totally. But and that's, that's only after the fact, after you're long gone and you have spread your joy and you've closed the door. And that's the thing is it's, it's the way you and I see this industry is you are so intimately involved with these clients. They've invited you into their home and they're asking for you to make it better. And this is not curing cancer, but it is making their daily life more enjoyable in this space. And again, it's like you also pick your clients accordingly as well. Yeah. Um, I become so close with my residential clients. Like, you know, the average project for my firm will last like eight months to a year. It's a full house renovation. And um, these people trust you and you go through all the stresses in life with them. You see their kids grow. You, when people are renovating their home, it's usually the second most amount of money that they're going to spend next to buying a house in their life. That's really stressful. They've saved up as much money as they can justify to put towards making their home better. Like you are responsible for that. And you are responsible for bringing more joy into their life and making their home work better for them. It's not about imposing your style on them and saying like, hey, look what I did. It's, it's a, every single project is so independently that client project. And as I sit here, covered in goosebumps, <laughs> couldn't have said it better myself, friends, do we understand why Sarah Keenly side is sitting here before me 
as my first Love Jam guest. <laughs> because you, my friend, are the most loving of people. And you heard it right. She said firm. That means she has her own design firm. And it is a busy firm. And it's busy for a reason. Because you pour that care and that love and that desire to make people happy into what you do. And I love what you said because so often, you know, that quintessential designer that we've spoken about is really, really excited about putting their style on mm. other people. And you would, you know, look into a space and see that person, but not reflective of the resident itself. Yeah. And I think that that's what I love about your work. And that's what I love about you is that you really look at the person and you care about delivering a space that is a reflection of those people and you listen. Okay, so this is a skill that you have. You have a skill that I think is so important to identify and I wanna share it with the peoples. Um, it's the ability to deliver something that somebody feels entirely represented by. So your client sees themselves in the work, right? They, they come into that space that you've designed for them and they see themselves, they see their family, they see their whatever, whomever's living there. While I still see your good taste, while I still see your flair. And I could look at it and go, Sarah's been here. I appreciate that very much because that's the goal but I can put that right back on you because it's the exact same for a Tiffany Pratt design space. I know, but I think that's that's really rare. I, I agree, but don't you feel like it just comes from being a good listener and interpreting? I think that what that's maybe, maybe we call this podcast be a good listener. Yeah. Because that, but honestly, the, the truth is design is not what people think it is. That's the thing I often tell anyone that talks to me about, how did you become an interior designer? What do you, oh my gosh, your life must be so glamorous because they <laughs> suck us. Right? And then you're like, oh, you oh, have no. no idea. I always joke that I wish when I started my program at OCAD that they just told me, just know that you're just going to be carrying bags of stone around all day. You just carry <laughs> tiles and giant quartz samples around all day. You're, you're going to have great arms, but a bad back. And your car is going to be a mess. It's going to have everything in it. It's too heavy to leave your car, so you just drive around like bottoming out like a gangster. <laughs> you know, I when anyone would say anything, first of all, I feel like a glorified bag lady. Yes. 100%. Beautiful way to sum that up. Glorified bag lady. I also feel like I'm a part-time contractor because you, yes. you do have to also be a little, have the ability to get dirty. I don't think, like, you can't show up in stilettos in your suit. That's the thing is why are these fancy designers with their suits and stilettos? Like what jobs are you working on? This like, is the I part that kills me. Boots. All of my clothes have paint on them. And if I didn't purposely put it on myself, it's because I walked into a wall that was wet because I don't care because I'm so busy getting into something I don't like. If there's grout, I'll put my hands through it. Yeah. I'll be touching things. And it's a, it doesn't make sense that designers wear black because the second you go to site, you're covered in dust. One million. Per, also, you pop a lot of, I don't know if you do, I pop 
car tires constantly because you're driving on construction sites. So nails are getting into your car tires. Um, But what I love about the work and especially being a woman in the work is the ability to work with a team to achieve great things and to learn how to communicate with all different types of people. Because when you do this work, you're not dealing with the same type of person. Every contractor is different. Every specialist in their field, every Mm -hmm. builder, every stone guy, every tiler, every painter. There's not one type of person in any one trade in this industry that I think can be treated the same way. Everyone has their own language. That's the punchline. Yeah. And this job is not the kind of job you can learn in school because you have to be on the field to learn the language. Yeah. And if you're not a people person, you will never survive doing this job because most of what we have to do on site is to very diplomatically get your way. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, you know, as, as designers, we know what will look best. But a lot of the time, what looks best is not the easiest way to build it. And you're always going to butt heads with your tile guy or your framer or your drywallers because they're like, well, if you want no edge around that, that means we have to frame it this way. It's like, then I guess we have to frame it that way. Who's but hungry? Who wants ex- donuts? Yes. <laughs> Coffee and donuts are your best friend. <laughs> and actually, on a side note of this, I just, I, I do find, I had this really great conversation the other day with a girlfriend who works in a very male-dominated industry. And the long of the short of it, or the short of the long, however you say that, is I realized that I that we work in a pretty female-dominated industry. And it's really interesting how, you know, when I go to site to one of our projects, like, you know, building a house from scratch, we just finished a client's project that was almost a year in the making. It was a house that burnt down. So we had the lot to work with, but did all the drawings to build their dream home, essentially. I just visited with them last week and they're like, feels really weird to say this, but we're kind of happy our house burnt down. (laughs) Like they, they're like, you know, they've built their dream home. Is this the house that I walked by? Yes. That's right. That's right. Okay. Side note. <laughs> side note on the side note. Side note on the side note on the side note. Sarah, I uh, was on the west side of Toronto. I was taking a walk after having a lunch and her beautiful husband, you know, rode by me on his bike and he was just popping by a record store casually looking handsome and impossibly <laughs> perfect as usual. And then he's like, oh yeah, and I was just visiting Sarah's site of this new build that she did. You should go check it out. It's cool. So of course I'm like, sure, I'm totally going to go check it out. <laughs> so first of all, her husband checks out her sites to support her work, which just, again, gets my heart into a thousand oh, pieces. I love myself good. some Justin. Yeah. And then the other side of it is, the property looks incredible. Thank you. Thank and you. And again, you know, pull, I just walk up within a block. I don't even. I don't even need to look. Which one is the? No, <laughs> I know incredibly instantly in this moment, insatiably. Yes, this is Sarah's work. Well, so it's beautiful. Is, when you do, thank you for saying that. But it's um, when you do a project of that scale, you're working with every single trade and you are dealing with like a lot of language barriers there. All men. Like, it's, it's a shame, but, like, in the trades, it's still, like, 98% men. If not 99. Yeah. It, it's just, there's, like, it's not, it's getting a lot better. I have a lot of female woodworker friends, like, mill workers. Yep. Um, my upholsterers are all women. Yep. But th- other than that, there's not many women in the trades uh, for the more the, the hands-on building aspects. And I am telling grown men what to do all day long. Yep. So it's interesting that, you know, in this day and age, I've come to realize that I really appreciate our industry for the fact that I've never felt 
that as a woman, I couldn't do this. It's, it's, I don't know. I actually want to say that I think it's important that you're in the world and you're doing the work the way that you're doing the work in such a diplomatic, kind, teamwork kind of way. Because what you're describing is entirely 1 billion percent true, but often there's a stigma around designers. And I'm sure you've run into this where the trades have had a bad experience. Yes, definitely. And then they meet a designer who's you know, embarking on a huge project like this and they'll meet you. And the, and in my case, you know, I probably get more eye rolling than you because I'm showing up with like my colored hair and all the whatever bangles, beads and whatever. Your love bomb will like totally disintegrate any negativity. But in you can space, see though. the eye roll. <laughs> I, I can, I can see, see what you're talking about. You can see the eye roll. Yeah. But initially, you know, it's the, oh my God, you know, here we go with another yeah. designer. Yeah. But what happens when you're dealing with a designer that cares, that knows their stuff, Mm -hmm. that works with trades is what you're doing, Sarah, is you're turning their boat around. Yes. And they're slowly realizing what a beautiful addition to their team you are because you're guiding them in such a way that the client's happy. They don't have to redo things. Yeah. There's not, because often, you know, I, I know you know this, but contractors have a really bad rap because they don't have someone leading them. Yeah. And then therefore they have a bad relationship with the homeowner. And then there's a reputation out there that, you know, renovating your home is a nightmare. And designers have the bad rap because they come in at the 11th hour saying, this isn't how I wanted it. I want it changed. Right. And then people have to redo the work and they're not going to get paid for that. But when you start from the ground up, started from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Drake, we love you. Um, <laughs> oh my God, is he on next podcast? Uh, he is. Um, Can I, I hang out behind this sheet? I just didn't want to tell everybody that, Sarah. Um, but you're right. Drake <laughs> is coming up next. <laughs> third podcast me and drake t- talking about surfing in the bottom now we're here um, <laughs> 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 so that's cardi b she's going to be hiding behind the sheet on every podcast sarah will be providing all kinds of sounds and commentary i can be your old timey sound effect person no why don't you could be my paul schaefer <gasps> Like yes, we, right. Oh my. With the comments on the side, I love. That. We could we could do a thing together, do and I then we can my switch. Head? No, well, okay. I mean, you could put like the skull cap on. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Fine. Okay, it's it's like method acting. I got it. <laughs> 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 that means if I have to be David Letterman, I have to wear a suit, and God knows, like I, how am I gonna? Oh wear no, a suit? you get to be you get to be new David Letterman. Oh, okay, with the beard. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah, I'll wear the beard, and he's casual. No, he's still wearing a suit. Uh, but uh, did he not just get wicked sexy with that beard? I agree. And the glasses, he changed them to clear. Yeah. So you can They're see really more cool. of his face. Yeah. He did. Men get sexier with age. I know. I'd like to take a pause in design and talk about men for a second. Okay. It makes Where me... Where is this going to go? Well, <laughs> it's not going to go anywhere, but I believe, much like furniture or homes, um, possibly cheese, um, that... They get better with age. Yes. They really do. Yeah. I love myself an older man. Yes. You, know, you do love yourself I an love older man. I love myself an older man. There's something about them. And so, you, but you echoing the sentiment with David Letterman leads me to believe you can see. Oh, I definitely can see. Yes. But I don't necessarily have the best taste in men. I did for my husband. But you're married and you're married to a walking angel. Justin's a very emotionally evolved human being, and he's... Well, I hope to find one of those. A perfect human. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, so anyways, uh, I'd like to have a moment of silence for Justin Rutledge. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> in Justin Rutledge Retrust. I think you and I both feel like it's a responsibility as a designer to lose the stigma. Yes. Not take ourselves too seriously. Yes. And what you were mentioning about designers having a bad rap with trades. Yes. We, you and I try our best to... Turn that boat around. Turn that boat around. Because I sympathize. I, I understand if you've had a bad working experience and someone doesn't respect what you're doing. Like, you know, Eddie the trim guy, if they're just bossing you around, it's like, my design is nothing without Eddie the trim guy. Also, um, a little Tim Hortons goes a long way. Yeah, it does. Um, and it's I, just a little respect. Like, these yeah. guys are working their butts off. Like, do you want to get there at six in the morning? No, no, you don't. And also, too, you don't put yourself in someone's shoes when you treat them like crap. Oh, God. And putting yourself in anyone's shoes will put you in that beautiful ground level where you are all one. Yeah. You are one team, and you're all gunning for the same end, and you all want the same beautiful results. And if you can keep going back to that baseline, I think it brings it back to love. Because, you know, we keep saying home is where the heart is. And I think that that is entirely true. Yeah. You know, you inside of the home is where the people who you love the most or the things you love the most is encased. Yeah. And so as a designer, we have a really important job because we have to make all of those objects and people really be their best and feel their best. And so um, that's the thing I love about this work. But not to say that I don't want it to be jokes, shits and giggles. Not to say that I don't want to have bump and dance parties with my painting crew. Okay, I love this. I love this. This is what the love jams are all about. Um, say, can you can you try to say that one more time? Yeah. Just say because I love I love emphasis and I think repetition and emphasis are related. So say it one more time. I don't even know what I just said though. It's Walls just that, around. Yeah. When you take yourself too seriously, you are constantly putting the mirror back on yourself to to make sure that you're living up to what you think you're supposed to be, as opposed to just being in the moment and just reacting the way you would naturally react you you know I love this so much it's, it's a way of isolating yourself when you take yourself too seriously and I think taking yourself too seriously mean it also means that you put too much pre-planning into something yeah that sometimes requires more flow Yes. And so when I talk about that, I talk about dressing. I talk about planning an environment for, um, you know, meeting a client. I talk about that as far as every last detail, maybe not being planned out perfectly for the client, for the home. I love to leave lots of, of air space, lots of white space for things that I, I put down the, for me, I know you probably are a lot more meticulous than no, I am. I'm the exact same in that situation. But I, I really like to leave a lot of breathing space for myself to reroute if I need to. And I want it to feel like I've got my foundation. I've got everything. The necessities are all agreed upon. But then anything that's frosting, anything that's just the pretty, I like to leave that to the most current time that yeah. I could spend with them when that time comes. And I think that that has a lot to do with, you know, getting dressed in the morning. You know, we, I think we over process ourselves sometimes to mm -hmm. be something we're not. And I think we, we tax ourselves quite a bit to, you know, be prepared for sometimes things we can't be prepared for. Mm -hmm. And as designers, I really, I've, I've loved to talk about, I love telling people to trust their intuition. Yes. And your, your clients to trust their intuition, you know, the, the whole, the whole project itself might have been daunting to get started and they don't know where to start. Where does the kitchen go? Where do we put our powder mm -hmm. room? All that stuff. But then when it comes time to the frosting, as you put it, which is so perfect because that's exactly what it is, that's the important part that is like, now, now 
show me, I mean, usually I start off with, with kind of going through their stuff to begin with, but, but like, show me what has sentimental value to you. Because if you love that, that lives in this room. And that's, I think, where you and I both always agree design-wise on the eclecticism of spaces. Yes. And not following rules of, oh, this is a living room, so you obviously can't have a dining table in the middle of it or whatever it is. I think Um, that this is a really great thing to just go back to because I keep going back to love. But I think that that is so important, Sarah, that people have to recognize the things that they have around them, they need to love them. Yeah. And if they don't bring that love feeling, if they don't serve a purpose, they don't need to be there anymore. Yes. And I think that that's a really great way to go through your home and everything, especially if you're planning on hiring a designer, is really mark those things that you love and be prepared to give away or let go of the things you don't. I totally agree with you, and and I think that's a really great point. Is that if you are planning to meet with a designer, go go through and flag the stuff that's like, oh, my grandmother gave me this, or we took this photo on our trip, and it means a lot to us because it was, you know, the first time he told me he loved me, or whatever. It yeah, is. yeah. You know, if there's some sentimental value attached, don't feel embarrassed by your things. I've had clients that have come to me saying like, oh, I don't know, you know, like we, they have an entire house full of everything. And like, you know, you have carte blanche, do whatever you want. It's like, no, I don't want to do whatever I want here. Like your your house has been curated, whether you think it's good or not. Yes. It has become this because you've acquired these things over time. So let's talk about some of this stuff. It's like, oh, well, you know, that was my grandmother's. It's like, oh, well, like when you look at that, does that make you feel... Does that make you feel closer to her? And then then let's work with it, you know? It's but that's like, love jamming in the interior design. That's what you're doing. Yes. Is you're jamming with them and you're forcing them to, I think we, we live our daily lives so quickly. Yeah. That sometimes just having that storytelling moment with a designer taps you back into your space and taps you back into things that matter. Yeah. You know, they, they, don't, they wouldn't tell those stories otherwise. That's true. You know, they wouldn't force themselves, but because you're the designer and you're forcing them to really look at their things, it's also forcing them to look at themselves. Yeah. And And you you go blind to things in your own space too, right? You sort of walk by that thing beside the stairs every single day and you don't even realize it's there anymore. But sort of having another set of eyes to look at it and and explore, why do you have that here? Okay, we can totally move it or nope, that needs to stay. So we'll work around it. I also can see you having some brilliant aha moments with things that people would not otherwise want to keep. Yes. And I can just see that in you so much. And I love that about you with my full heart because (laughs) I think you do have an ability to look at something that someone would consider undesirable or maybe on the way out. And you can be like, but yeah. if I did this or I put it here or I added this or I p- painted it that. Yeah. It but you're be. the queen of that for the record. The queen. All hail. No, stop. We're both we're but, equal. But I think I think that also comes with a certain level of uh, awareness that our industry can be extremely wasteful. You know? One million percent and And I think that that's what I love about your work the most and that's what I love about uh, doing my work is that I think uh, in a small small stupid like minuscule way I am I'm adding I'm not adding I'm subtracting yes you know yeah like a and what I mean that, to waste, I'm subtracting, you know, I'm subtracting. Yes, no, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. And and a designer that comes in and wants to bulldoze everything that's just been done, or like that wants to bulldoze, you know, through your through your space and start from scratch, it's like, I feel like it's my responsibility to go in and say, okay, well, what's working and what's not? Because all of this is going to cost some money. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the best thing I bring to my clients is that I'm 
a thrifty old lady. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> and this, in part, lies why Sarah Keenly Sight and I are the bestest and the clearest <laughs> and the most tightest of the tight. Because yeah. we're both little old ladies. Well, we're both. And, and like, I'm... I'm thrifty, so I don't like spending love, money that doesn't need to be spent. Ting, 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 ting. Yeah. Because you know what I love is I'm going to tell them all the places I don't want to spend their money, but when I need them to spend, they're going to listen to me. Yes, exactly. Because when I'm going to say, hey, but you know, I really need this built in and it's going to cost you this much. And I know that's not cheap, but we're going to save everywhere else. Yeah. I need this built in. Yeah. And they're going to listen. Their little ears are going to go up because they're going to say, listen. She didn't want us to get rid of this, this, and this. So, you know, she clear, she she cares. Yeah, that you're looking out for the bottom line. Yeah, in the end. yeah. Yeah. When I hang out with Sarah, I feel like three hours feels like a minute. It One does. hour feels like a second. We and we get deep quickly, you and I. It's like true. it's just we have so much to talk about and so many um, facets, facets, and and comparable. Uh, issues going on or things interests and stuff and so aligned we're so aligned yeah. and it's good to, to jam with someone that you you respect i respect you so much i respect you with my full heart and i i say this with every bone in my being anyone that's listening is um when you find someone in your life that you respect and you love hold on to them with every bone in your body and treat them with with everything that you've got that's you know, about love because they deserve it. And that's how I feel about you is I feel like you deserve all the love that I could give because finding a friend at this stage of my life, the way I feel about you feels like one of the greatest gifts. And, um, I, I agree with that. It's 100%. one of my greatest gifts this year. Honestly, I just, or even last year, it was last year, but honestly, it just, every once in a while I look at you, I'm like, is she real? <laughs> is she real? Look at what I'm looking at. You're is she real? a unicorn. Is she Tiffany real? Pratt. Okay. So, um, and we can keep it brief, but like words, I'm just going to say it out loud. I'm going to ask you questions and just come okay. up with the word as I'm saying them. Single words. It could be like a sentence, Okay. but fast and furious. Okay. Okay. Um, what's, what's the feeling you get about your job? Like when you were to think about a feeling you get when you think about doing your job and the opportunities you get to do and the things you get to see. And when you think about being Sarah Keenly side, yeah. as a designer, a TV personality, doing all the things that you get to do and see, what's the word that you would assign to it? I've got three. Hit it. Excitement, stress, and what the hell? What do you love the most? I love leaving a space better than I found it and and cre helping people's homes really uh, express who they are and and um, clients hire designers because they can't figure out how to do it themselves, but it's one of those things that in the end it sort of feels like they designed it themselves. Yeah. What do you love about your life the most? Um, I love that I'm getting perspective right now. I've been hustling hard for all of my 30s, and a lot has changed for me in the last year. New career opportunities, um, sort of a new, I got married a couple months ago. Um, it was incredible. <laughs> um, exploration of what's next. We want to try to start a family. Like, the, it's sort of, I'm getting a renaissance of life right now, now and a new perspective of kind of the what's next and um, I'm excited and not scared at all just excited for a little bit of a change I think and what kind of love would you want to share with whomever's listening um, 
I hope you have a friend in your life that is as warm and inspiring as my friend Tiffany. Because, and this should summate our lady love fest, but um, there's nothing better than a good girlfriend. A, a good girlfriend that there's no stress with, that you cannot talk for, got a year and then pick up the phone and it's like not a single beat has been missed. Um, someone who has your back on all, on all levels and that you have theirs. And it's, it's a beautiful game of tennis that you play in life together. That's beautiful. It's true though. Yeah. And it, honestly, it's not about, and I said this in my last podcast, but it's not about uh, quantity. No. It's about the quality. It's about the quality. The quality of the people you surround yourself with. Yeah. There's, um, it's, life's too short for oh. uh, for keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah, doing what you love. And the Joneses are boring. Oh my God, and they wear terrible clothes. So much tan. There's so much <laughs> beige. I, I don't know if I would really want to live a life of Dockers. I couldn't. <laughs> I'd rather buy some clothes at my local garage sale. How is everyone just off the yacht? <laughs> <laughs> Where is this yacht? Where's the body of water that these people were just sailing on? I mean, really. And wear your sweater or take it off your shoulders. What is this? Make a decision. Look at the weather channel. I love that in Sarah's mind, the Joneses are like a really nuclear family out of Connecticut. Totally. Like, and I know that Connecticut life, so I can see those people. And the wife is wearing Lily Pulitzer, and it is bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's to each their own. It's just 100%. do your own thing. Just do your own thing. So if I could wrap this up in... in nope, uh, not possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to wrap this up. I don't think we could. Actually, what I think I'm going to have to do is like, we'll do a, a second one. Yes. I think okay. and then there, there'll be a third. <laughs> and we're back with Sarah Canely's side. Uh, this time we're going to tell Quick. you. <laughs> no. Um, I, I just want you to know that I love you. And my love for you is out pouring out of my heart since the moment we met and since the moment that we decided that we would be friends and on the Saturday what a gift to not only hang out with you and it's beautiful outside and I think we're gonna go paddleboarding we're going paddleboarding later and then we're gonna go grab, grab some dinner, dinner. It's like, like I I adore you and thank you for having me on your podcast oh it's my this true so cool. honor and pleasure and it's such a gift that you're my first guest and I'm so excited to share um, your incredible wisdom and your being and your energy and your wisdom of your, not only your career, but your heart. You know, not a lot of people lead with their hearts and every single person that's going to be on this podcast leads with their hearts. And you're the that's first nice. one. Well, you're the, you, first one. You're, the, you're, the, you're the Oprah of it. No. <laughs> <laughs> you're the one oh my God. started it all. <laughs> the Oprah. Jesus. Oprah. Yeah. Coco feels like Stedman. That is hilarious. Does that make me your Gail? 100%! Oh, yeah! Yeah, yeah! <laughs> I am forever grateful to every guest that will join me and share themselves and their hearts on the Love Jam. So thank you so much, all of you, for coming on and sharing yourself. Uh, it just is what makes the world such a richer place. Coco Trabagian the genius behind the mixing and the recording of the Love Jam and the person who wrote the theme music himself. It's truly not even possible for me to have this podcast without you. So I love you and I thank you forever. 
and Delta Faucets Canada, oh my God. Without your encouragement and your support, this wouldn't even be happening. So thank you, thank you, thank you to every single one of you. Um, without your hand, this love would not be in the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for you. You, you that lovely human listening to this podcast. From the depth of my soul, thank you so much for taking your time and wanting to listen to me and my friends jam about love. <laughs>